Welcome to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, as usual, and special guest, the Grinch. George? Yeah. Yes. What are we doing today? Well, it's uh, it's free-for-all Friday, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows what we'll be doing? Yeah. We've got the Grinch here. Mm-hmm. Grinch who stole the Grinch who stole Christmas. Yeah, where did you get this? Did you did you buy um, this just to bring it into the I podcast? I believe my parents gave that to Drake as a as a gift. I think a birthday present, maybe a Christmas present. I, I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they gave it. Drake used to. They gave him the Grinch because you know, like family joke. He uh, used to be terrified of the Grinch as a kid. He used to think that he lived in the TV. So even when the TV was off, like when I go to bed, like he'd walk by the TV. Oh yeah, and then run, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta funny. make sure that mean old Grinch didn't get him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the Grinch who stole Christmas. There's a lot of people that uh just aren't very Christmassy. You yeah. notice that? What I should have I should have saved the article and brought it, but I guess um, there are questions about why why the culture is still celebrating Christmas when most of the people in our country aren't Christians. Yeah, I, that I'm sure is interesting mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, George, you uh, you used my headphones. I did to interview Parker. And I'm just amazed at the level of your hearing. Oh, really? Yeah, because I have to turn this way up. <laughs> he turned it down. Headphones are turned way down. All right. Yeah, it's better. Can you hear me now? <sighs> Count your blessings, man. You got incredible hearing. Yeah. No one's creeping in here on you. Though I have done it before. You have? Yeah. I have a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. Scaring people at our house. It's a family thing. Oh, I love scaring my kids. It's yeah. great. It's kind of like how dads prepare their kids for the world, if you think about it. The world's a scary place. Yeah. You know, you got to be on your toast, head on a swivel, 24-7. Yeah, you've embraced it. You should be proud. <clears throat> yeah. George, you know what? Speaking of the Grinch, you're still Christmas. I read an article just before I came here mm. about how in, let's see, what state was it in? Massachusetts. They outlawed Christmas. Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1659, and for the next 22 years, anyone found celebrating the holiday by failing to work or feasting any other way would be fined. Yeah. I imagine what what years were those? 1659. Okay. Yeah. I'm not down with that form of Christian nationalism, George. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. They got you got a whole strand of puritan come kind of flow out of the puritan tradition that are like no celebrating Christmas. Well, we have to we have to understand that Christmas is Christ Mass. So it, it it's a it's a holy it's a high holy day for the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Yeah. We aren't we're not in that environment like they were. Right. But they were in a direct conflict with Rome. Yeah. And we're we're not. And so the just the culture is going to be different. So I, I understand during that time there, I mean, in England, you've got, you've got, um, royalty, the, the king or queen that they'll flip back and forth between right. Protestantism <clears throat> and, and Catholicism. And they're actually, they're actually putting Protestants to death. Um, if they don't, if they don't celebrate, yeah, you know, things like this. So, um, and, and 
you know, you'd, you'd go to the Catholic Church and you would participate in the Christ Mass. Yeah. With all of its blasphemous practices. So I understand. Uh, I, I understand during that time, that time period, wanting to even enforce because it because it is a it's it is a religious celebration right now christmas has become so secularized that we're not in the same we're not kind of in the in the same yeah well it it appears though in this instance really it's more about the celebrating and feasting Mm -hmm. that they're banning Mm -hmm. Uh, because the catholic church didn't have a big presence here at all yeah so um increase mather yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He uh, was. What was he? The I always get them mixed. He's up the because father the, of. Is he the Cotton is, Mather? He's the father of Cotton Mather, and mm-hmm. Cotton Mather is the Salem witch trial guy. He's Jonathan Edwards' grandfather. Possibly, I think he's. Yeah. I think he, he's related to. He's related to Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. What kind of crazy names are those? Cotton Mather. Increase and kind of reminds me Cotton Mouth. Yeah. Cotton Mather, yeah. Salem witch trial. He gets a kind of gets a a bad rap for that, but I mean, we believe that uh, in a, in a world that has witches. So, well, hey, I, I always we we uh, we talk about this in uh, the class that I tutor um, in in American history. We talk about the the Salem witch trials, and mm-hmm. people look back and they're like, "Ah, these stupid people!" And right. like, this is a this is a this is an an, an example of religious persecution and, uh-huh. and all of this. If we live back in that time when we actually believed that witches were going around cursing our crops and and uh, you know people were dying because of witches, but they what would what what would our response be? Right, like we live, we live in the. It, it's a case of uh, chronological snobbery. We live right. in the twenty first century, and we live in a time when when most people, most people don't believe that this stuff even happens. George, most people don't believe in witches and things like that. George, right. we're too involved. Right, but now every, we, but everyone still believes in curses on Indian burial grounds. Yeah. <laughs> that that one, or the power of crystals. Yeah, that one's still on. Yeah, yeah power. Put some crystals right. under your pillow. But if we if we really believe that our neighbor was a witch who was cursing our our crops, what would we do? Right. Yeah. So maybe we should not impose our 21st century ideas on. 17th century. I mean, witches are real, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah. they're still real today. Yeah. They still try to do that stuff. And they're, there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of superstition about it. Well, let's throw them into the river. And if they float, they're a witch. But if they drown, I guess they weren't a witch. Right, right. (laughs) So, so, uh, lots of, uh, things going on that, yeah, we, we shouldn't, we, we can look back and say that was wrong. Right. Um, but to impose our our 21st century ideas on the the 17th century in just a blanket form, that that's just chronological snobbery. Yeah. So it was increase increase Mather. What a name, huh? Mm-hmm. I tell you, it, nowadays, speaking about how history's changed, somebody tells you they named their boy Increase Mather. What Christian tradition do you think they're? <laughs> <laughs> what are they in George? Yeah, they're they're probably uh they're probably like hard they're probably uh the truly reformed. Increase no, I mean not 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 that. Increase, just the name oh, increase. increase. What if some kids like, hey, here's my kid. Oh, I don't I know. I named him Increase. I am thinking mm. word of faith. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Increase. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that. Anyway. I, was, I wasn't thinking that. Uh, the, yeah. I was thinking like the truly reformed that So apparently name their kids Ebenezer. Here's what's going on, according to this historian. Like, people were partying and celebrating, do all kinds of things, right? Mm. But there's kind of like, there's these social hierarchy classes that are pretty clearly defined. And a tradition came about where people would come to your house who were from the lower classes, and they expected that you would give them gifts Mm. in return. And apparently, you know the the line, "Give me some figgy pudding." Mm-hmm. Now, give me some figgy pudding. Like yeah. that come that came from that. Like I'm coming to your house. Okay. I've invaded your property, <laughs> and we're all not leaving until you give me some figgy pudding. Okay. 
So there was all kind all kinds of this stuff going on, mm. and so they put in this uh, Christmas ban. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but there are people there are people today that still don't like you said because of uh, its associate association historically with uh, the Catholic Church. Mm. They won't they won't celebrate Christmas, right? Um, there there's argument that it's uh, against the regulative principle, right? Um, because there's no there, there's no um, command to mm. celebrate the birth of Christ, but um, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, look at look at how many chapters are are devoted to the the birth. I mean, you've right? Got, you've got Luke. He's got he's got two long chapters. Matthew's got two chapters. Um, John deals with it in John chapter one. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that it's I don't think that it's wrong headed for us to celebrate the fact that Christ came in the flesh. Right, right. To celebrate the incarnation, yeah. it's the biggest event in human history. Yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I really don't know why. Like Roman Catholic stuff aside, that's never even been a part of my world. Mm. Why would you not have a time to celebrate, in particular, the incarnation? Mm-hmm. I mean, we celebrate it all year, obviously, of course, but it's fine to I think take a time or a day to celebrate it. Yeah, especially in your own home. Like mm. we don't alter our church service here. We may have a, a Christmas Eve service where we sing, sing hymns, and I'll pr- I'll preach, and it'll have to do with the incarnation. Yeah, right. We don't but we a, don't we don't have like a Christmas play. Right. Yeah. Jay so, riding down the center aisle on a donkey. Yeah, I mean, so if you come to church on Sunday morning, it's going to be Sunday morning as right. usual. Mm-hmm. You know, but Christmas is Monday, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating in. Your family, like however you do it, mm. you get up, say a prayer with your family, maybe read a story from one of the gospels, and celebrate. Yeah. You know that God came in, came in the flesh, and exchanged gifts, and have just have a good time. Like I feel like some Christians just have forgotten how to have a good time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's okay. You know, let your hair down. I'm gonna show up at your house and demand figgy pudding, Jane. You better not disappoint. Yeah, let your hair down, let your beard down, George, and have a good time. Yeah, it kind of falls into this category, I, and people can hold their opinion. What I don't like are the Grinches who try to ruin it for everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it it kind of falls into the category, I think, in uh, in Romans fourteen, where one person esteems one day as, as Obviously, it doesn't have to do with celebrating Christmas. Um, each one should be should be fully convinced in his own mind. You know what I mean? Mm. One person esteems one day, and so and Paul write about this in other letters. There, are people are saying, you know, you shouldn't be observing, or you should be observing, you know, the uh, the uh, the Jewish holy days, and there there are Gentiles who aren't doing it. And this isn't to cause division. Like people are to have a, a, a clear conscience about if they want to do that or not. And that falls on. I think it falls underneath that. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think as long as we're not falling into the traps of um, you know Roman Catholicism, you know. I, I think. Uh, I think. I think if the. I, I think if the if if uh, the Jewish people were. Because that's that's what Romans fourteen is about, right? The, right? the Jewish the Jewish believers that um, come from the background of of the festivals of right. uh, you know the law. If they're if they're if they're using the festivals as like a means to be made right with God, I think Paul would right, um, right. fight against that. Uh huh. But if they're observing it because well, the Passover is a celebration of. Moses uh, leading the Israelites out of out of Egypt. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's celebrating part of their history. I mm. mean, after all, right? Right. It'd be like us not celebrating the Fourth of July or something, and we know that's not going to happen around here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Uh, so I know. I know you're. Uh, I, I mean, you've you've uh, you've told children from the pulpit that Santa Claus isn't real. So I know that uh, <laughs> you don't yeah. have any qualms about that. What, what, what's, uh, what's your, um, 
Like, do you do any anything with Santa Claus in your family for for Christmas? Uh-uh. Just ignore no. him. Yeah, we never have. Of course, the uh, kids absor- absorb it from the culture. You know what I mean? Right. And so, Evangeline likes to play that game, like, mm. oh, you know, Santa Claus, whatever. And then I'm like, but you really know, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a good teaching opportunity, though, because the way we do it is we say, where do you get your gifts from? Yeah. You know, mm. from mommy and daddy. Yeah. Where do mom and daddy get all of their gifts from? God. Mm. God is the giver of all good gifts. Right. Yeah. So you use the opportunity to teach your children, like, we're giving gifts. You know, one time God gave the best gift that he could give. Mm. So you can use this, you know, Santa Claus in the culture as a way to teach your kids about the truth. I don't think you're harming your kids by not telling them about Santa Claus. I mean, people who believe that are crazy, I think. I think that's craziness. I, I just love talking about the real Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a guy, uh, he tried to ruin it for me. He was a church historian, and he was he wrote an article. He was trying to dispute that that ever happened. Mm. That St. Nicholas slapped yeah. Arius. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, don't ruin it for us all, man. <laughs> We're not we're not we're not gonna believe you. Whatever you say, it's not true. Yeah. So um I'm not saying James White is a Grinch. <laughs> okay. But you can say James White is a Grinch. You're not gonna get any you're not gonna get any pushback from me, brother. <laughs> he's a little well, bit of a Grinch. He can be. He can be a little Grinchy. He yeah, he's however a little, he's a little he, he is on Team Christmas though. You know, I think he's written at length about how it's okay to celebrate Christmas. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but th- this tweet came up again. Peep, someone screen grabbed it, so of course I grabbed it. I think it's great to talk about it on the podcast because people are going to encounter it, and you really shouldn't get pulled into this kind of, like you feel that you need to pull the trigger, right? Can you show this tweet? Okay. This oh, is yeah. that tweet from that this this tweet. Yeah, from years ago. Yeah. Yeah, from Tim Keller, 2018. Mm. The God of the universe became a wiggling baby in order to get close to you. Now we obviously know I, I mean, that it's... Tim Keller has he has written at length about the cross mm-hmm. and the gospel, sin, propitiation. Like he's he you can look at Keller and say, I, I take issue with a lot of his things, mm. but he doesn't have the incarnation wrong. He doesn't have the cross wrong. Okay. Um and then James White's reply, right? <laughs> no, sir. The second person of the Trinity took on a perfect human form, nature first and foremost, to bring glory to the triune God and the redemption of a completely unworthy people upon whom the triune God had decreed mercy and grace in eternity past. That's not getting close to you. And you can even hear him saying it as you look at the picture of... <laughs> um, well, I would say... Uh, Obviously, both things said are true, right? How, however, I, I mean, the Timothy Keller thing is a little like Evangeli. Sure, but the, uh, yes, he was. I mean, Jesus came as as a baby. Uh, you know, the to get close to you, it's got the kind of soft, sure, uh, like you, like you know, what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know, but uh, it's the it's the kind of uh, I don't know. But there are people in the world that need to hear that part of the gospel, right? Right. Um, God could have forgiven it, us. It probably could have been worded a little bit differently. James White probably still would have taken issue with it. I mean, <laughs> sure. the, I mean, Jesus right. became a wiggly baby. The Son of God became a wiggly baby because he he loved you, right? He came, he came to redeem you. Yeah, I mean, so there is a place for that type of language, though. That's mm. what I'm saying. Like right. Somebody has lived their whole life maybe abused, mm. treated like trash. I mean, there are these people in the world. I know it's hard for maybe some in the Reformed world to believe um, that have absolutely no self-confidence, because after all, Reformed people, we've got confidence, right? <laughs> um, they're the downtrodden. Um that's incredibly good news to people like that. Right. They already think nobody wants to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. They think they're unworthy to be loved by even people. They're not good enough for anyone or anything. Um, 
that's good news to 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 people. It should be because the end result is if you become a Christian, right, and and you turn from your sin and you trust Christ, God gets close to you, like real close, right? Right. The baby who incarnate became a man, crucified, died, was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and then sent his spirit into the world. He and the Father sent the spirit, and you can't get any more close than that. Right. Uh, to have living God living inside you. Mm. So there is a powerful appeal to the humanity of of Christ um, for people, especially knowing he was a man of suffering, right? Right, despised and rejected. Um, that has is a powerful. That's a powerful thing to a lot of people, enough to to bring people to actually a real conversion. I believe. Yeah. So, don't be so quick to pull the doctrinal trigger. Be like, no, let me tell you actually about God's eternal decree before there was ever time. All right, first thing you need to know is uh, before that, yeah. there was an eternal decree. Mm-hmm. God chose that He would glorify Himself. Right. Right. We can get there. Yeah. We can get there, but not everybody's there yet. Right. So, um, we. It's we have to we have to have a balance, right? Um, we we talk about uh, engaging the mind and affecting the heart. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are are needed, and for a lot in the evangelical world, it's all about you know moving the heart, moving the affections, right, and ignoring kind of the intellectual like propositional statements of faith. But then we can push we can we can go the other direction. We can we can go too radically far right. to the other side and it's all theologically propositional statements and nothing about the affections. Mm-hmm. And real real reform theology ought to do both. Yes. I mean, you got Jonathan Edwards who everyone remembers as like a real intellectual theological I can't read him because he's so difficult guy and he talks about going out into a field and as he's contemplating the trinity he starts weeping mm. <laughs> because he's affected in his emotions in his heart over theological truths mm-hmm. how many of us have started weeping as we think about the trinity um we should we should let those theological truths affect us in yeah. our our heart that's right and not just immediately reject that as emotionalism right right there's there's a balance right yeah there is and it's a great time i mean this sunday is a great time for preachers for any preacher um, to talk about it, to preach, to preach, somehow get this into your sermon because of what's coming. Um, but don't I know what a lot of people will do Sunday is they'll kind of just have an incarnation sermon, mm. and it will lack the gravity, like it'll lack that gravity of what what occurs. Mm-hmm. And you can't really get that gravity without preaching the humanity of Christ alongside. The, like the, the infinite attributes of God are here. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't become anything less when he took on human form, though it's veiled, right? It's all veiled from our human perceptions. Right. You think about the... Un- we can think, I think, about the transfiguration wrongly. Like, you know, when the disciples are on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's almost like... We can think that God was like, oh, okay, let me see what, let me show you what he'll get, when really you should see it as a removing of the veil. Mm. The veil is removed. Right. They're able to see what was already fully and never stopped being fully in that baby. All of the perfections of God, all of the attributes of God is infinite perfection. That will, that will melt your brain to think about the timeless God 
the omnipresent God being fully in a baby. It should be it should it should induce it should induce worship. But what I fear is people will just preach the Christmas story of and they'll they might they'll say like God became a human, but they won't make it explicit to people. Mm. The people won't actually get it. So if they have a guest who's never who's like maybe they're visiting for Christmas and they come to church, they don't even get it. They walk in hearing a, a story that is associated with things they already kind of probably knew about from the culture, and they leave not knowing like the full gravity of what occurred. Mm-hmm. But that type of, I think, preaching that will mix both of them together will go from the mind to the heart. Yeah. Right? That will affect, I think, have a profound effect upon people. And hopefully uh, people will come to, if they're already a Christian, to come to love God even more, cherish him more, love Christ. If they're not a Christian, maybe they, you know, will be converted. But they won't be converted uh, under just straight up storytelling. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how you can be a good, you know, you can have a joy, a joyous Christmas and all this, you know, the type of stuff mm. people hear. Yeah. You ever uh, watch Lutheran satire? Oh, yeah. You know I do. Have you, have you seen the video of Martin Luther yelling about uh, inferior Anglican Christmas hymns? <laughs> no. I hope you have this video. I do have it. If you would like to watch it, we I definitely it. would like to watch All that. All right, well, turn turn it up. And uh, this is Lutheran satire. Martin Luther yells about inferior Anglican Christmas hymns. As soon as a uh, as soon as a video, it's twenty twenty. As soon as soon as this. Uh, okay. All right. Well, now we've all got these, a Nike all commercial. These ad, all these advertisements. I'll tell you. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Guten Tag, gentlemen. Say, Dr. Luther, seeing as it's Christmas time once again, and furthermore seeing as how you are widely considered to be one of the great hymnists in history, perhaps we could persuade you to work with us on a Yuletide song of praise, whereupon we would combine the strongest strengths of your German Lutheran style of composition with the best and brightest bits of our legendary Anglican method. You saying you want to write a Christmas hymn together? Indeed. (laughs) All right, fine. You guys got an opening line or something? Well, how about this? <laughs> the snow was cold and the snow was bright and the snow was all around. A gargantuanly great opening, wouldn't you say? Well, it doesn't really snow that often in Bethlehem. Plus, the weather isn't really the important part of the story. But, you know, maybe we could poetically use that coldness language to contrast it with the warmth of God's love coming into the world through the birth of Christ. Spentabulous suggestion, our jolly German friend. Let's give it to go, Vicar. The snow was cold and the snow was bright and the snow was all around. For Christ was born on the day when God sent snow upon the ground. Was that better? No. The point of Christmas <laughs> is not that it was cold, but that God became man to fulfill the law for us and thereby give us eternal life through his death and resurrection. So let's try talking about that instead of talking about snow. Very well. Also, please don't do that other thing you guys do instead of talking about the Incarnation, where you just list a bunch of elements in the Christmas narrative that aren't at all central to its theology. Right. No shortchanging the Incarnation to talk about the weather or to enumerate non-essential stuff. I think we've got the perfect poetry for that. For God has now come down to earth in a manger filled with hay. Near an ox and an ass and a sheep and a duck and a goose that cold, cold day. I tell you what. Let's step away from the manger and focus on another part of the narrative. Maybe then you won't feel this pathological need to sing about thermostat-related issues or to catalog first-century Levantine livestock, and I won't feel this pathological need to dropkick you in the gullet. Well, in order for our composition to be a proper English hymn, we must have at least one verse declaring how utterly quiet it was on the night of Christ's birth. So we could write one of those. I don't know that it was abnormally quiet, but if you contrast that silence with the word of God coming down to earth instead of talking about snow and animals, I'm all for it. Righto, good friend. 
On Christmas night not a sound was heard in Bethlehem below Because all the ducks and the geese and the sheep were frozen in the snow Angels, let's write something about the angels <laughs> and their song of praise So now with an angel of choir let's praise the God who's big and bold The God who never ever gets a chill even when the ducks are cold Why? Why does everyone sing your hymns instead of ours? When you're all busy caroling about the decibel level in Bethlehem or chanting about first century weather patterns or taking farm animal inventory in musical form, we are singing about God in the flesh, fulfilling biblical prophecies, destroying the work of the devil, burying sin beneath his infant feet, bringing heaven to earth in his freshly born flesh that was sent to be torn apart for our sins upon the cross. Our Christmas hymns are better than yours. Really? <laughs> Prove it then. Sing one for us. Okay, here's one by Paul Gerhardt, an even better hymnist than I am. Oh, Jesus Christ, thy manger is My paradise at which my soul reclined For there, O oh Lord, doth line the word Made flesh for us here in thy grace forth I say, Dr. Luther, that was terrible. Yes, you didn't talk about silent frozen ducks even a little bit. <laughs> oh, he's got some funny stuff, man. You know? He's got, I, I think there's Say, Dr. Yeah. Luther, why don't you have a German accent? Well, accents are intrinsically funny, and I'm supposed to be the straight man in this sketch, so it just didn't really work for me to have one. Well, couldn't you at least try one for us? All right, fine. Yeah, so my name is Martin Luther, and this is how we speak in mine country, you silly English muffins. Don't mock us, Dr. Luther. Yes, we said a German accent, not an ancient Egyptian one. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's good stuff, man. <clears throat> Found a, uh article from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this would be a good Christmas gift for, for Jay. Oh. So when you go into your office, you're going to see this. Uh, well, I mean, this Christmas gift will be sitting in your office. Okay. Throw it up on the screen. An Italian artist auctioned off an invisible sculpture for $18,000 and $300. Uh, it's made literally of nothing. He auctioned it off. It's a work that asks you to activate the power of the imagination. $18,300. No way somebody bought that. Nothing. I, I did. It's in your office. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Merry Christmas, Jay. Thank you. Merry Christmas. I, uh, I got you an invisible sculpture. It's a good gift. It, it asks you to activate the power of your imagination, though. So Yeah. Going to have to become a kid again. Hmm? Yeah. Um, yeah, they. It, <laughs> the <laughs> the priest. <laughs> this was this was actually put on auction. <laughs> the pre-sale estimate valued the piece between six thousand to nine thousand euros. <laughs> but competing bidders pushed the price tag to fifteen thousand. <laughs> Hey, imagine you're like an appraiser for art. The, lucky, they're like, the hey. lucky buyer went home with a certificate of authenticity and a set of instructions. <laughs> <laughs> because the because the author uh, or the the artist he uh, he said it has to be in a roughly five by five foot space, free of obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> They started at six thousand. So they imagine you. They call you. You're an art appraiser. Like, hey, we need you to come appraise a piece of art. We're going to auction off, mm -hmm. and you show up, and there's nothing there, and you got to come up. You've got to come up with a figure. I say six between six thousand nine thousand sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're selling nothing, huh? Yep, just selling. You nothing. don't see it, but it exists. 
Yeah. It is made of air and spirit. Yeah. It's, expl- a, it's, it's, explained. it's like a it's lot. A, it's a work that asks you to activate the power of the imagination, a power that anyone has, even those who don't believe they have it. It's, a, it's like a lot of people's preaching, huh? Composed of nothing but air. <laughs> composed of nothing of air and of zero substance. Yeah. And people will pay. They'll pay that <clears throat> cheddar for that, George. That's, that's where the big bucks are. Yeah. Well, there you go. Merry Christmas. Don't knock it over when you go into your office. All right, I'll try not to. I'll try not to run into it. Um, what next, George? Speaking of preaching, should we mm. talk about a little preaching a little bit? I got a clip here of a. Oh yeah. Of that uh, of a Roman Catholic. Guy oh preaching. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. We can. Uh, yeah, we can. We can uh, listen to this guy. Yeah, he's, I was. Uh, uh, he's. Tre- I guess he's trending. Yeah, yeah, it's trending all over uh, all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, people really. I guess they're just really. Think it's amazing. Um, we'll talk about it afterward. Okay. And maybe they think it's amazing because the Catholic Church is a really they known, don't they never they hear, never they never hear this and so they never, it's, they never hear anything except for their the magic spell that they uh-huh. do. Yep. <clears throat> of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, is this going to work? Because uh, off of because last time last time you did something from your. Uh, Last time you did something from your phone, it did not actually play on the. Uh, I think that was into the atheism and the agnostic. I think that must have been copyright stuff. Really? Uh, probably. Yeah, YouTube blocked it because it was on the audio. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was. What was it that we were? Um, it was uh, it was the the speaker of the house. That's right. Him talking about himself as uh, God calling him to be a Moses. Right. Yep. Yep. So it was on the audio, but it wasn't on YouTube. I believe so. Hmm. Yeah. Well, then uh, pl- play away, my friend. All right. And hope, if it hope. and if it <laughs> hopefully it if comes there's through. if there's two minutes of silence uh, on YouTube, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Let, Turn on some music or something. All right, here here we go. Do you think this unbelieving generation who's bought into the atheism and the agnosticism and the ways of the world, do you think they're on their way to heaven? I don't think they are. And I'm not afraid to say it. In our politically correct world, we think everyone's going to heaven. Do whatever you want. Try to be a nice person. Everyone's going to heaven. Where does it say that in the Bible? What great saints of the church proclaim that, oh, everyone's going to heaven, you don't need to, to, to strive to, to be holy. That's never been said in the last 2,000 years, so why does everyone believe this today? Why do we no longer preach repentance? Believe the good news! That God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you can have eternal life. Why do we not preach this anymore? You wonder why our young people don't go to church? Who's rising up to warn them? Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And so we need to pray that the Lord raise up his prophets and his saints in our time to proclaim the good news to everyone so that people can be saved. There you go, George. Of course, uh, somebody posted it. They were like, Protestants, what say you to this or whatever, right? What's wrong with this one minute, 26 seconds? (laughs) That's that kind of how it was posted. Probably that he's going to end with uh, the mass, right? <laughs> That's probably <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think also repentance and striving for holiness; mm-hmm. those have two different. Those are completely two different things right. in our worlds. Mm-hmm. Like repentance and striving for holiness for them has to do with participating and going through all of their rituals and their sacraments so that they can actually receive grace through them doing their good works. Mm. Um, Completely different things. So just those words, repentance, even faith, all of that is uh, the way we we come about that's different. Mm -hmm. But what I find to be interesting is how, how many people thought, like, this is so awesome. 
I'm like, you guys realize for the past 500 years, literally every Sunday, that type of preaching has been going on mm. in Protestant churches, right. not just Reformed churches. Protestant churches have been preaching that. Repent, believe the good news, um, except for we would say, by faith alone, mm-hmm. we'll be saved, right? So this crooked generation is going down despite the fact that for 500 years, that type of preaching has been going on. Right. So uh, that's that's kind of the, one of the things that I found to be very interesting. But I think it, it's interesting maybe to people because it's so out of the ordinary, maybe in the Catholic Church. Or maybe people just yeah. have never heard that type of preaching because the YouTube algorithm or the Twitter algorithm like keeps Protestant Christian preachers off of their feed. But because this went viral, everybody saw it. Well, I, I think we another another video is going viral. You shared it on Facebook. Yeah, I did. Of, um, but uh, Robert Owen, oh, what is his name? You may pull it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now. Owen, Pastor Owens. Uh, it's say, goodness, why am I? blanking out on Richard his, Owen Roberts. Uh, Richard Owen Roberts, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Um yeah, uh there's another clip and he's blasting a bunch of Protestant yeah, uh Protestant <laughs> pastors for not preaching. Oh, for not, for, for not preaching with it. with not preaching with uh with passion. Yeah. Well, it'd be good it'd be good for us to segue into preaching. We kind of hinted on preaching getting into um coming into Christmas time and how you know you could not what you could not do. Yeah, I thought this was a powerful message. I don't really know what happened. I I guess this is a uh, G. Is this a G G three? He was at. Yeah, that's what it looks like is behind him. It looks like the G three, right? Logo. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's watch it. Sure. In America. Yeah, all you've got are teachers. How do I get it to the beginning? That's the question. <clears throat> yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Let's see. You'll probably have to. Uh, this is not a matter. You'll, you'll of probably my have to click out of it. Opinion. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Um, established fact. Go. To teach is to inform, to preach is to move. All right, I'm going to let it play through. You can switch over back to me, Larry. Um, And when it's done playing through, we'll we'll watch it. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I think that it's not just a, I don't think it's just a a Catholic-Protestant problem. I think it's just a preaching problem. There's a, there is a lack of preaching with unction, and I, I think I think again it's it's that problem that we were talking about a few minutes ago between the intellectual and the emotionalism, right? That in the Reformed Church we have a lot of guys who their theology that they. they dot every I, they cross every T, everything is exactly conformed to orthodox theology. But that's what he's going to be addressing in this clip in just a second. Yes. Um, But on the other side, there's the emotionalism that is filled with stories that are meant to tug at your heart or, you know, jokes or or whatever. And it's all emotionalism Mm -hmm. without without the content. And so I think that people are probably used to one or the other mm-hmm. yeah that's right and um so when they hear something like that catholic priest um actually saying right things and he's saying it with um a passion that's meant to affect you um, not just intellectually but emotionally I think they're they're shocked. They're like, right. oh, well, I mean, where has this been? This guy is this guy's a standout amongst preachers. Never heard anything like this. Right. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people in, in uh Protestant churches, in Baptist churches, probably haven't heard it either. Right. Yeah. They're probably used to 
the emotionalism, but it doesn't have any any content to it. Right. Uh, I mean, we talked about pastors that they'll start with something from the Bible, but then everything else that they say has nothing to do with the text that they've they've just read. But it, it's all emotional. Right. Um, there, there has to be, here's what the text says and here's why it matters to you. And it, it should, if the, if the pastor has been affected by it, he should be able to communicate it in a way that affects the hearer. Right. Yeah. Here we go. I think we're coming to the beginning. Okay. <clears throat> Not yet. <What? laughs> yeah. It's almost there. Here it comes. Preachers in America. All you've got are our teachers. You're this killing is me, not Jay. A of my <laughs> he said, We don't have personal opinion. Good night. <laughs> All right. He said, We don't have preachers in America anymore. We've got teachers. This is not a matter of personal opinion. Now, let's see if it'll go. You don't have preachers in America. There we go. All you've got are teachers. This is not a matter of my personal opinion. Here is a long established fact. To teach is to inform. To preach is to move. I know that's not what some of you think. We heard it said this morning. That teaching and preaching are the same. That the words are used interchangeably. Well, you may use them interchangeably. And I'm not going to try and correct you. If you want to be dumb, that's your choice. I find people are hungry to be moved by God's word and by God's spirit from where they are to where they belong. I'm wondering how many preachers here are preaching and not teaching. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not knocking teaching. It is a vital part of the work of ministry. In fact, many of our early New England churches had on staff both a preacher and a teacher. Did it ever occur to you that the way the word speaks of itself is an incredible help in this matter? Let me mention just three. The word is described in the word as a hammer. The word is described in the word as a fire. The word is described in the word as a sword. Is it not reasonable that if I have preached the word, there will be people who are hammered, who, like the hard rock, are smashed to pieces? Is it not reasonable to suppose that if I have preached the word, there will be those who will feel pierced by the sword of the Spirit? Is it not reasonable to suppose that there are those who have been cold and without passion who are set on fire for Jesus Christ if I have preached the word? Is it sensible to think that I have preached the word and nobody has been smashed, nobody has been pierced, nobody has been ignited? I would think it much safer to suppose that when nothing of that sort happens, you haven't preached the word. You don't there you have go. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's. Um, I'm gonna have to listen to that whole sermon. Hmm. Somebody sent it. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's. Uh, it's. It, I mean, it's pretty convicting. Yeah, yeah. But I. I think that this is what people that they hear this Roman Catholic priest, and they're they're shocked by it because they never they've never heard anything like it. Right. 
but uh, notice what what uh, Owen said. He said, "When you preach the word," and there's the there's the the trend that we get right. in a lot of evangelical churches uh-huh. that they're they're not preaching the word. Yeah, they're preaching something else. They're preaching yeah. their stories or their personal experiences or or something. Mm-hmm. They're preaching themselves. Yeah. Um preaching the word. It's it's so it's it's the the content matters. Right. And also the we would call it the unction. Right. The unction the, the passion matters. And without without both of those together, you don't have real real preaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh we've talked about it so many times before. Um who is it? This quote I'm thinking of. It's I thought it's Steve Lawson, of course. Um <laughs> today we have mild mannered men preaching to mild mannered men, imploring them to be mild mannered. Mm. That's what he's that's how he describes it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what you have. But the the preach this type of preaching is there. Like it's there and, and it's available and it's around most people's communities in America. You're probably within driving distance of a church that has a preacher and not a teacher, not a lecturer, not a storyteller, right? They're there. They're around. You may just have to drive a little bit. You know, we would drive somewhere around 45 minutes when we moved to Kansas City mm-hmm. to go to church. Uh, there were churches obviously much closer to us, but that we decided to go there because of the preaching, because the word was preached there. It wasn't. Though even though he was highly educated and got a he even got a PhD while we were there, um, he wasn't a lecturer. Mm-hmm. A lot in the reformed world can fall into just the mere lecture. Yeah. You know? Well, I think there's there can be some confusion about what we mean by expository preaching. Mm-hmm. Like expository preaching is taking a particular text and explaining the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in light of its its original context and in light of Christ, right, and then applying it, uh-huh. all of those things go into exposition. <clears throat> but I, I have heard people that um, they treat expositional preaching almost like they're reading a commentary mm-hmm. like in verse one. Right, this is what it says, and this is what it means. Uh-huh. In verse two, here's what it says. Here's what it means. Right. Um, and it's, it is, it's like a lecture. Right. And I think a lot of people think that's what, that's what expository preaching is. Uh Um, it's, it is explaining what the verses mean, but it's, it's trying to get at what, what are the ideas or the main ideas that are being communicated in these passages. Uh huh. Um, and applying it. Uh huh. What 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 does this mean for for you? How how should you respond to this? Right, and and applying it in a way where like it's coming from a person who is actually absorbed all of that already through the week, and that has already ignited in their heart. Mm. And now when they go into the pulpit, it should be more than just I'm just communicating doctrinal truth, right. the truth of this passage. Now that ignition that has taken place should mm. come out. Right. Like it should come out of the person. Um you can have like a doctrinally perfect person in the pulpit and it still be a bad sermon. Mm. It's just a lecture, right? Put it in the classroom and leave it there. Right. Right. You've something else has to occur. It's got to go up another notch. Preaching is <clears throat> I heard uh I think it was Ron, Ronnie Qualls he got into this uh I think he got into this uh, debate. You know, old, old, you remember mm-hmm. Ronnie? Oh yeah. And uh, he gave this illustration. Of course, no illustrations are perfect, but he said, you know, it's like a, the difference is like a coach throughout the week with a football team. He's drawing X's and O's on the board. They're watching film. They're out on the field, moving people around. Like people are learning the doctrine. Mm-hmm. But then it comes halftime, and the team's losing. The right. coach isn't going to go in there and and teach them football right. doctrine. Mm-hmm. He's going to literally begin to preach. Yeah. And that what he says literally has the ability to turn someone's will. Like they maybe they feel defeated right there. They feel like they're going to lose and now the coach comes in and he 
because just based on what he says, now they believe they're going to win. They know they can do it, and they have the willpower to go and do it, mm. right? And some would say, well, that, now you're just saying preaching is like a motivational speaker. But the difference is the two are intertwined, like mm. in the sermon. Right. The doctrine is what is engaging the mind and affecting the heart. But it's got to be communicated in a way where you're like, that guy really believes that. Right. He would bet his life on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's like, you don't get a lot of that right. today. Mm-hmm. And then that is contagious. Um, Lloyd-Jones, what did he said, he said, uh, you want people to come to church, put a man in the, pu- uh, uh, put a man on fire in the pulpit, people will come and watch him burn. Mm. And that's exactly right. Right. Um, so it's a perfect time. I mean, it's, if you can't, you should be able to get to this level. I don't, the day that I don't get to that level on any Sunday, on any given Sunday, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> yes. That's an Easter egg for y'all. Uh-huh. Is the day I don't preach again, right? Yep. But if you can't get there on Christmas and you can't get there on Easter, right? It's time to go. Mm. Go uh, sell cars or something. That might be a, not maybe not a good advice nowadays because <laughs> the, <laughs> the car industry is struggling big time. Um, you know what I mean? Go go uh, go do something else. Yeah. Go lecture in the seminary or whatever you want to do. Mm. Um, but it's Christmas time, George. It is. If that doesn't warm your heart, even the little Grinch's heart got warmed. Mm. Um, it's fine. It's time to find something else to do. Yeah. So I hope that that uh, that that Roman Catholic priest will start searching the scriptures and that he will come to a true understanding of justification by faith alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Mm-hmm. God's God's pulled many of uh, priests out of the Catholic Church through mm-hmm. history. Yeah, uh, it seems like the uh, the current Pope is doing his best to try to, you know, try I want... to get try to get these guys to, like the conservative guys, to understand the problems right in the Catholic Church. I almost feel, in a way, like the Catholic guy. He's really preaching to the Roman Catholic Church, mm. like he's preaching to his superiors. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, when when did he preach this? Do we know? I'm when, not sure. Or do we know when it? Because uh, I I just saw it a couple of days ago. Yeah, I, I think I just saw it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday or, or yeah, I think it was yesterday. That so I, I don't it. know if it's in response to that because the Pope yeah just issued uh, a letter yeah and in it. He says that uh, Catholic priests can now bless. There's a lot of caveats to this thing. They, that Catholic priests can now bless couples who are in same-sex marriages. Right. They are not to do it in the liturgical role as a like in the like in the. The service, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> and they're not supposed to bless the marriage, the, the marriage, right? Which is just, <laughs> I don't, I, it's just more Catholic shenanigans uh-huh. to me. Um, so he he now is moving. I mean, this is a pope that we've seen just progressively moving more and more left of orthodoxy, right? Even as a even as a Catholic, he's moving more and more outside of uh, Orthodox, even Catholic um, beliefs and practices. Right. So now priests are allowed to uh, bless couples in quote unquote irregular situations, right? Um, without officially validating their status, or changing in any, any way the church's perennial teaching on marriage. Mm. However that works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Definitely doesn't sound like the teaching of the apostles. No. That much I know. He said something about those who are um, uh, seeking a blessing don't need to... Uh, like uh, prove their like moral 
I, I can't remember exactly the wording that he used. It, 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 he essentially is saying those who are looking for uh, a legitimate blessing from the church shouldn't have to meet certain moral requirements. Right. Yeah. I found this uh, this meme to go along <laughs> with it, Jay. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Or let's see it. There you go. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. You'll just have to get on YouTube and look at me. <laughs> I'm not going to read it for you guys. <laughs> Pretty funny, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. Well, Giorgio, we've been going an hour. Let's say we wrap it up. Can I show you one last thing? Just sure. because it's Christmas, and I, I like I like okay. spreading Christmas cheer. <laughs> okay, to you, Jay. All right. So you've got the Catholic Church, um, and they're they. I mean, they really are at a crisis. You've got the Pope, who continuously is, um, parroting liberal talking points. I mean, he's all about climate climate change. Uh, did you see that he he said that Israel is actively engaging in terrorism? I didn't this see last that. week. Yeah, uh-uh. he, he said that uh, the the blessing of of couples who are in irregular situations, uh, you know, violating God's standards <laughs> from His Word, um, and you've got guys like like this guy we listen to, mm-hmm. and it seems like he is a traditional catholic right even though that's outside of orthodoxy right um and so they're 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 at a, at this crisis point like what do you do when the when the pope is saying all these things that violate what catholic <laughs> tradition is uh-huh but i came across this uh came across this facebook page jay it's called christian ai memes oh my and uh, this is one that I came across. I thought it was pretty funny. This actually was sent to me by a friend. It says, if your family devotional time doesn't look like this, then are you even doing it right? <laughs> oh, my. They're Lutherans. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they start them out. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, here's your, here's your, your family uh, studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the father has a glass of wine, and the so does the <laughs> so does uh, one of the kids. Seven, the seven year old uh-huh. has a glass of wine as well. <laughs> you know that's how they do it in Germany, George. They uh, they kind of get their kids, you know, used to being German. It's in the blood. It's like in, uh, you know, in in Norway and Denmark. Mm. Even today, the, they'll expose their children to the cold. Mm. From the time they're babies, oh, yeah. like did you you ever see this? Mm-mm. It's kind of trending. They'll they'll put their babies outside, <sighs> really, yeah, like wrapped up, but mm. they'll put them out there to to sleep. So I really to act and people are like you guys are insane. They're like, hey, you know, this is uh, it's cold here, and this is actually good for them. Mm. It like gets their body used to living in a cold environment and mm. has all these other great benefits. And people are like, y'all are insane. Well, this is just the German version. Mm. Yeah, put that put that wine glass in the in the child's hand. I mean, I can tell you that that's what my family devotions <laughs> look like. All the kids are sitting still, paying attention. <laughs> yeah, AI is not very good. If it if it were good, <laughs> that that little one in the middle would be for sure on the mom's lap. Uh huh. The one on the right, they got it good with no shoes on, but mm. he needs to be climbing on his dad's back. The other kid needs someone. To not- need, someone needs to be crying. Mm-hmm. There's no throw up shooting out, like so. It's not realistic. There's I don't see food food crumbs on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, AI is getting close, but it's it's not there yet. Yeah, still trying to figure out some of the things in this picture. Yeah, look at the uh, like AI is still still working on human His hand. functions. <laughs> His <laughs> hand. <laughs> it's it is getting better though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's the deal with the kid's nose. The, the uh, Bible <laughs> is the kid's nose on crooked. It is, is that what's going. <laughs> yeah, and the Bible is like levitating on the lady's lap. Uh, it, it is. Yeah, it's it is. The, she's uh-huh. not holding it. Um. Yeah. Pretty funny. 
pretty good. And uh, her fingers are. That's that's Nephilim length right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. She might have six. <laughs> Maybe one of them's blended into the other. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, look at the kid! Look at the kid's nose, and his uh-huh. eye, and his eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Christian AI memes. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's That's a pretty, pretty new funny. page, but they're they're starting to put out some some AI generated memes. So pretty good. Pretty good. Out. Check that out. Well, maybe we end on this um, from John one sixteen. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. That's Christ. He has made him known. And so as we go into uh, the weekend and you get with your family and your friends, don't forget that. Uh, Don't forget that God has made himself known in the most amazing way possible uh, by becoming a human. Mm. And it is um, the greatest story in the world. And your loved ones and your friends, don't don't let them go through Christmas without knowing about it. Mm. So, you want to have the honors of shutting us down? Oh, is that my Christmas gift? It's your Christmas oh, gift. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate that. We should just let the Grinch do it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it has been, I think, a true free for all today. We've been yeah. a little yeah, bit, yeah. little bit everywhere today, but uh, hopefully, this has been beneficial for you as you think about um, Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, as you think about preaching, um, thinking about um, your own church and uh, how you can encourage your pastors uh, to be faithful in preaching because they they don't do it in isolation. They do it within the body, and so the body needs to come alongside them and pray for them and encourage them. Uh, We hope that you have a Merry Christmas uh, to you and your family from us, and uh, we will see you next year, I guess. Next year. We'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. Yeah. God bless.